Welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You're listening to us as either a podcast or a radio loop, as we so fondly refer to it. Fondly? Well, as we refer to it regularly, and I, I imagine there's a certain fondness to the notion of listening to a show in, in sort of a analog, redo sort of a, a way. You, you hit the link and it's like turning on your car radio wherever you are. Maybe that radio that's over the uh, refrigerator in the kitchen and flicking it on in the morning and catching that talk show. Well, that's us. Uh, and you're picking it up at whatever point you happen to pick it up, and you're getting into it and you're enjoying it and you're staying with it. Well, that's, that's the radio loop. One way or the other, it's center-left radio, and we're, we're very pleased to have you with us. Um, this is, it, it gets curiouser and curiouser. All of, all of these uh, interesting uh, uh, changes and, and twists and turns in the, in the political saga of this country. Uh, Kerry Lake was declared the loser. I, I, I should put it the other way around. Miss Hobbs, uh, who was some, something less than the most dynamic of uh, politicians and campaigners in the course of her campaign against Kerry Lake, basically, uh, I don't want to say rope-a-doped her way to a win. That's exactly the wrong impression I want to give. She basically commanded the attention of rational Arizonans. Now, there, there are clearly a bunch of them out there. And in the end, it will come out to somewhere in the range of about 25,000 more Arizonans will have voted for Hobbs for governor than for uh, Kerry Lake. Kerry Lake being the uh, the Trump wannabe, Kerry Lake being the the Trump uh, uh, mimicker. She basically is doing impersonations of Donald everywhere she goes, uh, trying to play this same thematic and and even stylistic. And I I, I guess you can't quite get down into the just just there is something in the visual that doesn't allow her to be quite as ugly or just dramatically mean and mean-spirited and nasty and she's she's a lot better looking than donald you know i mean whatever but where arizona was supposed to have been by every indication prior to the start of uh, uh, during the entire campaign season, the 2022 midterm season, Arizona was supposed to be the place where the worst of the worst election deniers were going to be given unfettered rule of the state. Okay? 
Lake loses, Hobbs wins the governorship, blue Democratic governorship. Mark Kelly wins the senatorial race. The Secretary of State race is won by a Democrat. There, there's, I, I, I gather they're still counting the ballots on the Attorney General race. That, uh, that's also a vote situation. But the governor, the senator, we have both senators from Arizona now are Democrats, remain the next, the next senatorial, uh, the next round of voting with the presidential in 2024 will be for the other sitting Arizonan uh, seat and will, the, the Democrat will be competing there. But the governor and the senators and the secretary of state, the person who Kerry Lake was counting on to put in the fix if Republicans couldn't take it legally, that's not the way things worked out for the Republicans in Arizona. In, in fact, it couldn't have worked out much differently than that scenario for Republicans. Now, now I, I hear this argument from people I know, the people I talk to. Yeah, it's just a, a handful of votes, and you can fake that. Yeah, well, that, that's the same rationale that's getting Trump indicted eventually in, in, in Georgia uh, for getting on the phone, having a perfect phone call with Brad Raffensperger, who was reelected, by the way, in Georgia as Secretary of State, overseeing elections there. It, it's the perfect conversation where, of course, you get on the phone and say, well, you know, I don't like the way this worked out. I don't like that there were just a few votes uh, uh, that made me lose. Find me the difference. I mean, you must have found them for the other guy, right? The other person must have been, been just as nefarious and just as ugly as I was. And so Donald, being Donald, will say that he had a perfect conversation. Somewhere in his little warped pea brain, it's perfectly okay to talk about finding votes because it's assumed that that's how the other side wins anyway. You just discount, or at least you leave the notion that you're discounting the validity of the entire electoral system. Remember, you're only the president of the United States. You're only discounting the entire electoral system. You didn't really mean that, you know, you wanted him to steal the votes to give you, uh, to, to, to put you ahead of your opponent. No, 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 no. This is the way it works, right? I mean, everything, everyone and everything is as crooked and nefarious and as, as a piece of crap as I am. And so it, it, it's got to, it can't be wrong what I'm saying. It can't, certainly couldn't be illegal. Carrie Lake, I think, imagines that she can kind of Donaldify, uh, you know, traumatize uh, her her loss, or will be doing that. She's already said <laughs> she she put out a marvelous tweet this morning. Uh, it said uh, as 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 uh, as her, her as her loss was uh, called by now all the major news organizations and everybody else. She said Arizonans know BS when they hear it. <laughs> I mean, come on, girl. You know, you, you got to do better than that. You, even, even you, Carrie, even, even a Trumpist 
can recognize a certain level of irony. Granted, more often than not, for Trumpist types, irony is replaced by just vicious, by, 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 by callous attacks. So that, so that the, the, the smiling, uh, the, 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 the humor, the, the irony within irony uh, is lost on people who really can't recognize the humor within situations. Or the best they can do with humor is to get somebody to laugh viciously. That, that's, that's not irony, Carrie. There was so much irony in your saying that Arizonans recognize BS when they see it or hear it, however you wrote that. Uh, not long before that, I guess it was a few weeks back, couple of weeks back, if that much, uh, you wrote a letter. She wrote a letter to, um, to Liz Cheney. And, and, and Liz Cheney uh, had uh, actively campaigned against her uh, in Arizona. She had campaigned for the, the Democrats there and had come right out and said that, you know, she was useless, et cetera, et cetera. And Carrie Lake, being a Trumpian, says Liz writes a letter to her on her Kerry Lake for Governor letterhead. I happened to notice this online the other day. And it's, Dear Liz, thanks so much for the anti-endorsement. You've raised more money for our campaign. It's, we're able to buy more ad space. And I, I hope you'll continue to do... It was just scathingly nasty and just bitchy, just bitchy dig, dig, dig. And again, as I read it, just mean, lacking in, lacking in any level of class. It was just one, it was a bitchy little girl. It was an angry 12-year-old, you know, having a middle school cat fight. Forgive me, but that's, that's the only image I could get in my head. And yesterday... Liz Cheney, I, I don't know if she did this by tweet or letter, but somehow, I think it was in a social media post, simply came back, finally responding. <laughs> she never responded to the letter at the time that had been made public, that had been put up on, on, on yeah, wherever, wherever Carrie Lake was putting up her stuff. And Liz Cheney came back with a response to that letter. You're welcome. <laughs> I, 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 I can't say it enough times. My, my policy differences with Liz Cheney are infinite, uh, deep, uh, impossible, almost unresolvable, one would have to say. But the woman understands irony and understands <laughs> that which is best served cold. Uh, that kind of a response, and again, this would this would probably infuriate. I hope it would infuriate a Kerry Lake, but a Kerry Lake would not know how to come back with something that that profoundly beyond the strength and the force of the initial uh, bitching and moaning letter that she put, the little girl, the little girl in the middle school, schoolyard reaction that she had. And I'll, I'll give Carrie Lake this much. 
She made a good appearance. She had, she had I, I, I gather, from her newscaster uh, experience, has had a good sense of how to connect with people. She knew how to be in a group. She knew something about making contact, more, more so than, let's say, like a Herschel Walker. I'm thinking of all these other Trump hand-picked sorts. Uh, who was it that ran for governor? And uh, the, the, these people who simply knew how to make Trump happy, and who Donald simply felt by by simply uh, giving them his blessing, by 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 dropping his imprimatur on them, would be able to overcome all of the other political limitations they might have, and somehow just just coast across the finish line. Donald did that in 2016. Donald was able to pull it off, and, and, and in so doing, I think uh, many people may have imagined that's, that his, his style was a transferable function. Uh, the, the, the same way people imagined that, let's say, the Obama coalition, for example, was something that would automatically feed down to a Joe Biden during a Biden run. That, that somehow the, the characteristics of the most successful candidate for, a political, for any political party, especially, in a, of course, in a, in a presidency we're talking now, that, that somehow that stuff <coughs> automatically in, in, in re, um, vital, revitalizer vitalizes, uh, in, is imbued, is absorbed by, is usable immediately by subsequent people in the same party running for the presidency, and that, and that just, just, having, just having the anointment from the person who had the original capability will make it all kind of repeat itself. No, Donald Trump can't be channeled quite as easily as anyone might think. You can't be another Donald Trump simply because you kind of do mean things or you're sort of nasty and you basically kind of want to get the same reaction out of people. That doesn't mean you're going to have a 2016 like Donald, or you're, you're going to have an election like Donald Trump had in 2016. N no, in, in fact, it might be just the opposite, especially if you're assuming that that's how things work. And, and, and th that's, that, that makes me think of Ron DeSantis here. Ron DeSantis has become, for many Republicans, I, I think for the, certainly for the New York Post, for the, for the Murdoch family, owning the Post, the Wall Street Journal, and, the New York, uh, and, and uh, Fox News, he has become the, uh, the standard bearer apparent for the Republican Party, for the Republican ticket going forward into uh, 2024. But the reality, and, and, and by the way, he won his gubernatorial race by a huge number, 20 points. 
Now, someone, some may argue that Charlie Crist was never uh, really, uh, they never really put up a, a serious challenge to uh, DeSantis. Others claim that the Cuban vote, that the conservative Cuban vote in South Florida, um, as it pertains to non-Cuban refugees uh, and as it uh, pertained to abortion, you know, uh, appealing to very, very uh, doctrinaire Catholic roots, that's what gave him a huge, huge advantage and, of course, getting outside of the main city areas, um, the, the true southern south was going to go for a Republican one way or the other. Whatever the particular mixture of people in Florida is or was, it's no longer, it's no longer, and I've said this on prior shows, Florida is no longer the bastion of uh, transplanted New York and Chicago uh, Jews uh, who have moved down there and bring their liberalism with them and are major uh, supporters of the Democratic Party and can be counted on in just sheer numbers to basically bring a Democrat over the top. Those days are gone. Florida's composition has changed significantly since then. Yes, we still have what we call octo season. My, my friends and relatives who live in South Florida especially, it's still the octogenarians coming down and driving uh, at 45 miles an hour on, on Route 95, and the cops begin enforcing the 55-mile-an-hour zone from, uh, from October to April. It's that way every year. But the numbers aren't what they were. And the people who are registered in the state of Florida and all the bad jokes and everything about that, it's not the way it was. So DeSantis had that advantage uh, in, in that he was able to appeal to a changed demographic in Florida. And of course, Florida is largely numerically South Florida. And then you have Jacksonville and you have Tallahassee, but that's not really that big a town comparatively. And he was able to appeal to that, and he pulled out a 20% win against a very lackluster uh, opponent in Charlie Crist. Uh, Ex-Republican ex turned Democrat, another thing that didn't work particularly well for him. Does that mean that Ron DeSantis will be able to pull off a Donald Trump? Does that mean that he is... He is the transferable Donald for those looking for a different Donald, not willing to give up the, the spirit or the meanness or the ugliness, but, not, but fully understanding that Donald is just toxic, is poison. Oh, look, Ron won Florida by 20 points. Boy, oh boy, if we put him up in a national election, well... He's not denying, uh, he's not an election denier for Trump, but he's got everything else. He, he's, he's a Trump wannabe and a Trump, you know, I mean, sending, sending human beings by the busload up to New York or North, pulling the same crap as, as Greg Abbott did, 
oh, that, that, that will have huge national appeal. Uh, that, that'll, that'll give everybody a sense of the normalcy of the president, that we really want to go back to true governance. Right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that what America is looking for? Isn't that, isn't that really what I think this past election said? We want something like governing. We, we don't want the, 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 the blood sport that is politics to have to govern us. We'd like to probably, you know, feel less antithetical towards one another. And we're willing even in the worst possible circumstances for a party in power in a, middle, in a, uh, in a midterm election, we're willing to break with, with a, almost 100 years of tradition, pounding the, 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 the party that has the, the presidency, the House, and the Senate, pounding them in the midterms. We're not going to do that this time. It, it, it looks like, well, we know we have the Senate. We may have the Senate plus one more, uh, assuming Herschel Walker will probably lose in Georgia in the runoff against Raphael Warnock, it looks as though the Republicans will have the House. I'm, I didn't on the last show. I, I still was sort of doubting this a bit, but the numbers seem to suggest that unless there's a few shifts, unless you know a Kerry Lake goes in the other direction. Um, there will probably be a House majority for the Republicans by maybe one and possibly two seats. It'll be that close. Suddenly, the willingness, if, if you were going to have a red wave, and the automatic, well, you know, we can count on Kevin McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, who condemned Trump immediately after January 6th, and then seven or eight days later is down in Mar-a-Lago kissing his ring in his back pocket, and off we go to the races, and suddenly I love you, Donald, and I'll do it. You, you know, yeah, we can have a flip-flopper like him. He's doing what we need to do. He'll keep, he'll keep the meanness and the ugliness going. After all, we were supposed to have a massive... Republican win with the red tsunami that was going to happen in this election. And it turns into barely a trickle. And suddenly, suddenly the, the House uh, leadership election, which was, a, well, not quite a fait accompli uh, all the way for, for Kevin McCarthy earlier. But now there is a major, major push to shut the hell up for a while. And let's think about this a bit more carefully. Can we afford to be just looking Donald-like? Because that's the mold that McCarthy has basically planted himself in. He's stuck. Well, he could shift and, and, and flip-flop again, but that's not going to help. Do we want to play the Donald card and just have McCarthy kowtow to him on our way to the 2024 election? Or do we need to begin looking like we're something else and get leadership that might actually want to do something other than instantaneously 
begin hearings on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and uh, and how we got out of Iraq and 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 everything that was done uh, with COVID and and and, uh, and 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 let's 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 investigate Tony Fauci who's leaving government now by the way and uh, maybe that particular approach that maybe using the house to do nothing more than that certainly not to well oh, and of course we we would we would threaten uh, we would threaten uh, bankruptcy of the country unless Biden pulls back elements of the of the uh, build back better bills that were passed and everything and, and stops doing what he said he was going to do stops helping the country boy we've got so many ways to bust this thing up just to show that we can bust on the Democrats. Suddenly that doesn't seem like the best political strategy in the world. Not that it would have been a great political strategy even if the Republicans had won big. But now you have the next complicating factor, and that is that at some point... Uh, between now and later this evening, Donald is about to, he says, uh, announce for the presidency once again. In the midst of what should have been, and, and this, is, this is classic Donald, this is something that he can do. In the midst of failure on top of failure, in the midst of the biggest collapse in, in, in the biggest expectation let down in modern political history. I, I would say that there's some truth to saying it that way. In the, biggest, in the biggest underperformance by a party with everything, from, from, from inflation to, to gas prices to post-COVID to, to supply chain to, you, you name it. The Republicans had everything operating in their favor to the historical um, situation where you have they're coming against a party who won everything two years earlier and Americans for the last hundred years say, no, we don't like that. Even the people in your own party basically either stay away or turn on you a little bit. The, the, the swing people, the independent sorts who would have voted for you two years earlier. That's how we do it in America. That keeps the pendulum swinging. We, we stopped that this time. We, we held the pendulum. We basically eased it back towards the center. We did not let it swing. And so assuming that pendulum is swinging wildly still and that now it will go even deeper towards the Republicans is nuts. You can't think that way. Kevin McCarthy, as a as a simply declaring him a de facto automatic uh, speaker of the House is a nuts situation. Going into uh, all of these hearings and all of these get even and all of the, uh, and all of the, uh, just all of the vitriol and all of the uh, tit for tatism that seems to be promised by Republicans, that's an insane, insane strategy for the Republicans, which, which, by the way, doesn't mean for a moment that they won't pursue it. But as Donald announces tonight, and, and by the way, again, 
Donald may or may not. Uh, we, we, we go back to the, to the uh, Michael, Michael Cohen uh, basically saying again and again in recent months that Donald won't really do that for the simple reason that it means he would have to start earmarking all the money that's coming into him. And that means that the cash cow becomes worth, only, every dollar becomes only worth 10 cents and 90 cents of it has to be put someplace else, blah, 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 for election contributions. Why the hell would Donald want to do that? Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm still not convinced that we will be around this time tomorrow morning with the realization that Donald Trump is announced. I, I think he might, he might, he might basically rope-a-dope the Republicans again on this one. If he does announce, however, he will have initiated a, I think, probably a no-holes-barred Republican bloodbath. That's what you can see coming down the path. Because the Republicans know, and I think the nation knows, Everyone but Donald is, is, well, anyone rational is admitting it to themselves. Those who won't admit it to themselves basically sense it in the background. The fear of letting go of Donald, the fear that something else will never give us the power we need, that only Donald can make this happen. The, the, the stupidity of believing Donald and taking him at his word that I alone can fix it and do it, that is, that is dissipating. That is, and, and it's a frightening feeling. I, I, I can only imagine for Republicans, this must be an incredibly frightening feeling that they, they have to give up Donald for Lent, so to speak, and it's going to be a perpetual Lent. How do we make this transition? Well, we, we've got Ron. And Ron DeSantis looks enough like Trump and sounds enough like him. Even if you, if you put their pictures side by side, they can both make the same kind of ugly expressions. And look at what DeSantis just did in Florida. Now, DeSantis is smart. And of course, he would try to moderate his positions. But if he dares to attempt to moderate his positions in the course of the primary that will follow, assuming that he would be going up against Trump, then he'll never make it past the primary. So he's going to have to be even more garish than Trump to basically pull out the primary. Trump will make sure of that. And because the base is still the base, and the base is still the primary, um, uh, primary voting uh, entity within the Republican Party. So how do you... I, I, he, DeSantis will therefore have to be a Trumpier or a, or a sharper Trump. He will have to both accuse Trump <coughs> of, of playing a game that is a loser's game, but that loser's game is the, is the lie. It's, he'll have to basically knock the lie about the 2020 election 
but embrace everything else that is mean and ugly and nasty about Trump at the same time. That's not realistic. You can't be... Trump's... If, if grievance is, is the currency, is the lingua franca of the Republican Party, it still is. They're still, they, they don't know of any language other than that right now. The, 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 the big lie is the ultimate grievance statement. And Trump will be able to get more applause power than anyone else by being as mean and ugly and ridiculous as, 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 uh, as DeSantis could ever want to be, plus having the additional grievance, even if people don't believe that, that, he, that he really won the election, that it was stolen from him. There's something about his ugliness that makes it all, more, all the more appealing to people who still need grievance to, to drive them forward that comes from his adherence to this big lie theory, even if it costs them everything. Because DeSantis, as he is right now, even with a few little modifications, can't beat any Democrat that will go up there. He will be slathered and painted as nothing but Trump without the orange hair instantly. And he will have to, he will be forced in order to appeal to this still radicalized crazy base that isn't going to instantly suddenly become rational. Oh, wait a minute, oh, we, we now have to appeal to the rational Republicans, say, say the brilliant Republican tacticians and strategians. Out no, it's not going to happen. But on the way to this process, probably anointing Donald again, again, assuming he declares tonight. He may not. There will be a bloodbath of epic proportions within the Republican political structure because everyone knows Donald can't win. Everyone but the people who love him in the party. And Donald knows that the only thing that he can do at this point to stay relevant is to stay visible and stay loud and stay nasty and stay the course and, and continue to lie and lie and lie and bitch and moan and grieve and say, look what they've done to us because he knows in his gut, and this is how he got to 2016, he knows in his gut that people haven't gotten this anger out of their systems yet. It's still there. And when he's, when he's on the ticket, it comes out, it'll come out in full force. It's, it's what will energize enough Republicans to make him the candidate again in 2024. For DeSantis to overcome Trump will require such a bloodbath. Now, I'm, 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 I'm obviously avoiding another obvious 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room as I say all that. Donald is going to be indicted. Now, one of the arguments, by the way, uh, and I've made this argument, to avoid 
the un, the inevitable state. Oh, now you know if you if you indict me once I've been nominated or once I've declared. No, I haven't been nominated. You see, this, this is this is an important difference. Once I've declared for the presidency again, you're just trying. You're interfering with my electoral rights. My, I'm a former president, I have a right to run, and you are consciously, you talk about politicizing Merrick Garland, blah, 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 blah. And that, that, that accusation goes up there. I, I was listening to Joyce Vance this morning uh, on MSNBC, and that question was posed to her. That won't Trump be able to say that? And, and shouldn't that stop Merrick Garland from basically uh, indicting him because of the potential uh, accusation of political interference, the same thing that got Jim Comey in such hot water, well, with everybody, Jim Comey uh, got screwed by Democrats, Republicans, Jim Comey just didn't handle anything correctly. Um, and the response from Joyce Vance I found very interesting. She goes, no, it, it, it won't affect them at all. The only time that, that uh, Merrick Garland might basically think twice about an indictment relative to political campaigning would be if Donald were the nominee of the Republican Party. Well, that, that can't happen until sometime in 2024. So Donald can declare whatever he wants, and he will declare whatever he wants, whenever he wants, on a knee-jerk, uh, you know, transactional, uh, tactic du jour basis. But she says, and I, and I, I, I want to believe this as I think about it, that that will not really affect Merrick Garland's decision. He is simply, tr the, the, the time frame the, within which Trump would be indicted based on this type of case, and it's being, it's being investigated, says Vance and others with much knowledge that she's a former federal prosecutor herself and everything, and okay. This is the way a RICO case is built. These things take time. Granted, Mar-a-Lago is a bloody slam dunk from a, from a legal perspective, but it's well within the time frame for bringing such a case. In other words, we're nowhere near, we haven't come anywhere near the edge of, oh my God, it's gone so long, <coughs> there's no chance he's going to bring uh, an indictment at this point or an indictment would be uh, weak at this point. No, not at all, not at all. Anytime between now and early 2024, says Vance, would be a reasonable point from a standard prosecutorial procedural level to bring a case against Trump from Mar-a-Lago for anything else you want, for, for referrals coming out of the January 6th committee, anytime between now and let's say the beginning or the first month or so of 2024 would be a perfectly reasonable time frame for this that Merrick Garland will not feel himself, uh, uh, let's, let's say procedurally or historically or uh, 
from from a from a institutional uh, history perspective, feel as though it would be inappropriate at this point to even consider going against Trump. No, there are a there is a laundry list of things that Trump can and pro most probably will be indicted for. The first of which will probably be Mar-a-Lago. Then elements within uh, elements within January sixth, and after that. Of course, Georgia and and ongoing now the let's call the mini New York State uh, lawsuit going right now that's being brought against uh, the his his accountant and and the organization the biggie then that's coming from Letitia James. All of these things will play out, and Letitia James, by the way, was reelected uh, for what it's worth. Uh, she's got a uh, she's got a four year thing, so she'll be there as, as and and we have a four year obviously on Kathy Hochul. So New York State is it ain't going away, ain't going away for Trump. Okay, it, it, not to worry uh, that uh, that the legal system has lost its opportunity to take a fair crack at the biggest crook in history. And, and that leaves one other thought that I wanted to deal with here. And going back to the House of Representatives, okay, I, I was talking about the question of who the leadership would be. But what can the House do during this two-year period if it attempts to do some of the ugly things with a different kind of leader. If, if it attempts to simply do battle with the Senate and, or, 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 or one offsets the other, clearly, clearly no legislation, House introduced, you know, vicious legislation or anti-anti is ever going to get passed anyplace because Biden simply wouldn't sign it. It's that simple. They can still go ahead and they can still try to, uh, you know, uh, do something nasty and have a, a an ugly sort of a um, uh, a committee setting up, but but nothing of any legal consequence will happen with the House. But if it's in Republican hands, the January sixth committee essentially uh, can kiss itself goodbye. That leaves another very interesting option. The Senate, which will remain in Democratic hands, could, could simply formulate a parallel committee to that which was in the House and continue the investigation from the House concerning January 6th virtually unabated. How you like them apples? That that is a um, a, a remarkable, and and I and I think in many instances people haven't really thought about this. But but what a boon that could be. Now, if the Senate were to do that, I guarantee you, whoever is in charge in the House or whoever is pulling the strings will go for some kind of tit for tat. And I would, in that case. I would love to see whatever some, some, some punitive committee set up in the House 
designed to go after Trump's kids, uh, go after go after Biden's kids, or go after Joe Biden personally, or 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 do something ugly and nasty and Trump-ish. I want to see that played side by side against the seriousness of a Republican committee, which essentially continues to pick up on January 6th. I also would, would want to uh, see who, um, I, I want to see the reactions as they continue to unfold in the next few days about the recent, uh, I think, I, is, is it Pence's new book? Did Pence just put out a book? Because Pence was in the news yesterday also. Finally saying out loud, Trump basically had me in danger. Trump was terrible in what he said and what he did in bringing on. He finally, <laughs> finally Mike Pence is, is finding his mind. Finally, he's, he's realizing that he's not just sort of Ronald Reagan in disguise or something and that basically, uh, you know, Jesus will come down and solve it all for him. No, when someone tries to get you killed, it's, you, you really have to ultimately, you know, that's, that shouldn't be a basis for sustaining loyalty. And that, and that, that lesson, obviously, is one that will be learned even far more slowly by a great many Republicans in Congress. So Mike Pence coming out and finally attacking Donald. The unknown leadership status of the Republican Party. The, the question as to whether or not Donald will actually announce tonight. The bloodbath that will invariably ensue within the ranks of the, uh, of, of the base and those who are looking forward to uh, the, uh, the nominating process when, when the in, invariably DeSantis and Trump start going head in head. Um, the, the, the inability of the lie, the big lie, to guarantee full reaction on any state level. Yes, there'll always be, and there will be for a while, enough Republicans within the base, within the, within the um, primary voting base, or th that would seem to be the, the assumption here, that, that Trump will be able to bring the vote out of the craziest of the crazies, and that that vote will still be enough to give him a primary victory and a pathway to the nomination for the presidency. You can, you can question, based on last Tuesday, is that a safe assumption? There were a lot of statewide races that Republicans lost. But they were all Trump lookalikes, the ones who lost, the Republicans. They were, they were Trump wannabes. And did the, did the electorate say that they rejected the idea of Trump? Or was it, it wasn't Trump on the ticket? The Republicans, let's say, who, who voted. Is there a clear distinction out there yet between Trumpism and Trump? If Trump runs, does Trumpism become more appealing to Republican voters within a given state.
If Donald pulls out all the stops and, said, and says, this is all that's left between you and total Armageddon, destruction, of the, everything you've ever wanted or dreamed will be taken from you. This is your last chance. Don't be stupid. I'm it. This is it. If he pulls that, will Republicans fall for it one more time? Because that's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to go to such extremes. He can't go in the other direction. Remember, Donald has no steering wheel. He has no gas pedal. He has no, he has no stick shift. He has, he has a, a vehicle that has an on and off switch, and it is perpetually accelerating. And knowing where he's going... You know, the orange jumpsuit, uh, you know, on the wall sort of must be in the back of his mind somewhere. This isn't the moment where he's going to modify. He's going to go with his instincts and it's going to get uglier and crazier all the way down the line. Will the Republican base fall for this bullshit one more time? And if they do, if they buy him if they buy in and make him the candidate and his loss will be historic, his loss will be outrageous. It will be, he's going to lose bad, very badly. What will they do then? How much, how much more pressure can the system stand? Should we imagine that the loss that was suffered by so many Trumpian types this time is indicative of the fact that the country is modifying? Let's stop worrying about, well, let's not worry generally, but should we just sort of take our eye off of the Republicans and the insanity? Or remember that this is a last hurrah for the this force that has essentially galvanized in the ugliest way and has motivated so much of the Republican Party to become the worst it could possibly become. This is the last hurrah for this ugliness. Should we imagine it will not be ugly for all of us if we don't keep track of it, and watch it very carefully? Should we imagine that, that Trump will even pull more crap out of his hat or any place else he wants to pull it from and do everything and anything he can with anyone to get in, that this will, he'll out-Trump Trump on this one. That the bloodbath will spill over out of the Republicans, and that we're all going to feel some element of it. That, that a bunch of loonies out there with AK-47s and AR-15s won't be motivated to get really, really stupid about all the stuff that's about to come down because they'll be convinced, certainly the crazies can be convinced, that this is it. This is the end of the world. This is Armageddon. This is the last shot. If you, if, if you let me go down, you're going down with me. I'm the only thing that stood between you and them, and if you let me go down, they've got you, and you've got nowhere else to go. Give me that, give me that, uh, fill, fill up the chamber. 
Give me the gun stock. Give me the bump stock. Give me, give me whatever you want. Mom, mother, mother, get out the altar. Get, get out the spare, the spare automatic weapons. And make sure that Junior has been practicing. We may need him. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm sounding a bit uh, crass and ridiculous here, but I, I think we have, to be re we have to be realistic about just how crazy this process can and most probably will get. It will be part of the cleansing of the Republican Party, part of its regeneration, hopefully, into something functional or meaningful within the context of liberal democracy, but that it's not going to be a simple, clean, easy process. I, 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 I simply want to keep that thought in your heads. Meanwhile, they will change. They have to. They know that. We have hope for that. How far that hope can take us? <sighs> hope is not just blind. Hope, hope requires a lot of action. Hope means making certain that we do the right thing on our side. Hope means that we can be vigilant at the same time. Skillful means, wisdom, are things that we have to uh, utilize as well. But uh, it's not going to be dull, I ensure you. And, and, and the, the circus begins anew and afresh with whatever the hell Donald decides to do this evening, the evening of the 15th of November in the year 2022. Carrie Lake, uh, enjoy your next assignment on, oh, I'm guessing One America News and, you know, or wherever you wind up. Uh, and let's keep our eye on the prize, a functional democracy, which can only occur right now under democratic leadership. Let's not lose track of that, that thought, that goal, that hope for a pretty cool place, America, as we approach the holiday season. Yeah, that too. A little jazz.
Hi, this is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Central Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. It's, it, uh, what happens tonight? Donald may declare. If he does, it'll be a bloodbath between him and DeSantis and all sorts of elements within the Republican Party. And by the time it's all done, if he is the candidate, he'll be so damaged on a national political level that he might be tempted to say, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm still all that stands between you and them and do whatever you must. <laughs>